When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Gents, boys, and girls, welcome to episode 131A of Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan Jr. Fantastic to be back with you again on this beautiful Tuesday morning at the end of November in fantastic St. John's, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Uh, what's up? Well, I'm going to get right into it. First of all, thank you to Brad Lukowicz. It's nice catching up. I know I said that, but got a lot of feedback. And, uh, you know, when players play, I guess when they're successful, of course, I mean, two Memorial Cups, two Stanley Cups, but, you know, you really kind of, what I see an impact that these players have made. A lot of people that come on my podcast, just from minor feedback you can kind of tell they made a difference so i get a um you know more more than one person from various parts of north america sent in a message it, it it's it, it's not un- unique to luco this happened a few times but and i probably should mention it each time but honestly like nine out of ten messages i got were just positive messages from fans that might have had a kid uh at at a game when they were younger, whatever it would be, and followed Brad's career. And, uh, you know, had some story about him coming off and talking, you know, with the kids, giving a stick away. Like, certain guys are always there. They don't become too big for their britches. They're, they're, they realize that they make their money because of the fan interaction, the fan base. And obviously, I mean, Luco's one of those. I mean, a lot of the guys that come on this podcast are those people. Hence, they wouldn't be so outgoing and friendly after all these years. You know, I don't go seeking out assholes, but I don't think to myself either, you know, let's specifically get somebody that's going to appeal to a live live uh, or large audience. But sometimes you get the odd guess that, you know, you realize what an impact they might have made on, on the world around them, the hockey world, wherever they'd been. I don't know if Luco realizes that. I'm, I'm sure that. It wouldn't be the first time he heard it, but I mean, I had people from the, you know, fans 
of uh, hockey in general, not necessarily Tampa or Dallas where he won the Cups. One lady message from San Jose. I think Luke only played there one or two years, one year maybe, and uh, said, you know, how he took her kids around on general skating day and was always there for autographs afterwards. And that's part of the role when you're a, a pro athlete, but not everybody gets it. So it's real nice. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. And uh, your uh, your kind messages about Brad Lukowicz won't go unheard. Uh, and uh, as long as we're on the messages topic, listen, I really... I can't say I love each and every one of you. That would be a lie. But I respect and I thank and I appreciate the fact that if, you know, my listeners, you're listening to this now, you probably follow the show, and I really, really appreciate that. But there's one thing, and honestly, I just got to put an end to this now. There's no point sending me a script, okay? I'm not kidding you. One guy sent me an idea for Back to the Future, a new Back to the Future. Another lady, like lady 20 years older than me, seems real nice, sent me an idea she had for the Star Wars franchise, where that should go. <laughs> uh, let alone every week I probably get, a week would be exaggerated. Every month I get one or two like one guy sent me a full-on episode script for Shorzy, like thinking that I would pass it on. I, so, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I don't have anything to do with the writing process on Shorzy. And I think if I was to keep bringing that up to the people who are in charge, it would look like a little bit of a slap in the face. Disrespect for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I'm happy. I Hey, I'm a creative person myself, but I have confidence in the show. And most people that write send in scripts or ideas for a script to me as if I can do something about it with Shorzy, um, they, they, they all comment on how they love the show. So if you love it, then just trust Jared Kiso and his team of writers and the production crew and the editors and all that. So if you love it, there's a reason for that. And hey, maybe you'll be a screenwriter someday. Maybe you are. I'm not here to. Uh, I'm definitely not here to squash dreams. I mean, I didn't think I'd be an actor or write anything, let alone a book and short films. I mean, whatever. I'm not saying don't go for it. I'm saying that I'm not your route. I'm definitely not your route. I giving me a Star Wars script is a complete waste of time, or an idea for Back to the Future, or even, you know, even a hockey. They can if. If I got all that time on my hands, I'll rather use what I wrote myself, right? I think maybe what you guys need is is uh, the people that are sending me these ideas and scripts. You know, if you're not involved, maybe go take a class first, right? And and learn how to write a script. And the people, wherever you are in the world, and you you're interested, there's all kinds of avenues that are easier than sending it to a random act actor on a random show. You know what I mean? Um, let alone me. I mean, I have absolutely no connection to anybody writing or producing Star Wars, of all things, or Back to the Future. I mean, I like those franchises. They're entertaining. But, yeah. And even if it's hockey, one... One couple sent me an idea for an updated young blood. This is great. But if I ever had those ideas, I'm just going to go with it. I don't have enough time. I, I, I'm running out of time by the minute. I definitely don't have enough time to dissect a script and then seek out people to give it to and hope that, you know, eventually Back to the Future 4 or Star Wars 13 or whatever the hell it is comes out. I mean, you know, sending it to me is is going to get you nowhere. It's going to waste my time. It's going to waste your time. And to be totally honest with you, I don't even read them. I don't have the time. And I really respect the fact that someone out there, I mean, half the stuff I read sucks. I, I write sucks. Um, more than half. And I will never see the light of day. Uh, and some people, you know, send me things. I'm sure they're good ideas. I'm really sure that they 
you know, and if they're not confident in them, which is an attribute that you need confidence and creativity. And a lot of people have that, but just cause you see me on the tube and know that you can DM me and I'll probably look at it. I'm not the route to just send anything that you want produced or any idea or whatever it might be. I don't have enough time in the day myself. And my daughter's into that. If I was going to help anybody, it would probably be her. And uh, while I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal, I'm quite confident that of the people that send me stuff, at least half of them are probably better than anything I could come up with. But again, I don't have the time. And I certainly am not. I don't hold the power to be someone that you can just send scripts to, of all things. You know, I act, when I say I write, it's mostly, you know, uh, mostly for books or chapters, future ideas, maybe an opinion piece. The few scripts I have written, I just sit down with friends that are more experienced. Again, I'm in the industry, but I'm not schooled on it. And a lot of people, too, I got to say, like I said, half's really good, half's horrible. Like, I don't know what you think, boys girls too right like if you're going to send me something if you're going to send me something hoping that again please don't send me anything but hoping that the world is going to take a like liking to it learn how to spell right learn learn how to or or at least spell check or, or learn how to i mean bad way to put it uh Practice, refine your craft, you know, maybe go on. I can tell some people are just sending it in without even doing any, you know, you're kind of disrespecting the people that went to school for it, right? Like there's a process and it's usually involves some kind of education, whether or not in the classroom, on a film set, um, writing books maybe, and then you fall, you find your way into a script or blogs or whatever, but you know, just because you sat home and, you know, we're watching Looney Tunes one night and you had an idea for a cartoon, I'm not going to help you out. If you're watching the Mighty Ducks and say, you know what? Fuck, they should have done this. You know, there's absolutely nothing I can do about that. Nor do I want to. And uh, it's hard enough to go through my message anyway, so... Yes, I encourage. I encourage creativity. In fact, I think it's an unbelievable release. We're all stressed to some degree. People say mental health. And it's so uh, it's such an encompassing talk, topic. So much falls under that umbrella. I think everybody at some point can use a little bit of mental health, rela mental relaxation, mental positive vibes, whatever. I mean, everybody faces mental adversity. I really, really believe that. Um, but often when we say that, there's some kind of stigma attached. But I've always reiterated, if you're a creative person and it helps, like that's what it does for me. Again, most people won't see the light of day of anything, but most of my stuff won't see the light of day. The odd thing I put out there, it becomes a chapter in a book. Some are worse than others. It's not all totally refined a lot of my books even look like rough copies don't they there's slang there's everything i just do it my way and i found a little niche for myself but you know that was 20 years of writing before anything ever more than that before anything ever got published i didn't even think it would be published again the point was kind of to harness my energy the right way and i say take the jitters out it's just anxiety that I might have for no reason. And I promote creativity. I'm just, please don't confuse that for me. Don't, don't confuse my excitement about your creativity as me curious about where we're going to go with your material, right? I just can't help most people that way. Um, so I do, however, really enjoy fan interaction. So, that's why I love going to these events. The one in Rapid City a couple weeks ago was awesome for many reasons. I've said that. And some others coming up in the new year, but I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a movie. I can't really say the name of it right now. It starts tomorrow. I'm playing a real 
bad dude. I guess you could say a psychopath. I always get if uh, it's not a hockey player, you know, I'm not going to be the next Robert De Niro. So I know I'm not a great actor. It's often about a look. So I've been a pimp, a drug dealer, a gangster many times, which I am again tomorrow. Basically, people that might not have a tooth. I mean, it's, I assume it's probably hard for hair and makeup to reproduce that look. And yeah, I mean, it looks more menacing when a guy or a girl, or maybe a, I haven't seen many girls with no teeth on film. But anyway, I'm sure it'd be the same effect, right? There's something off about, there's something unique about this person's face. Uh, what kind of people have no tooth or are missing a tooth? You know, people that can't afford to get it fixed. Gangsters, crackheads, drug dealers, pimps, uh, soldiers, uh, boxers. And I've I've played all those. Again, not in a main role. Most of it's a one-off. Uh, a Fire in the Cold Season was my favorite psycho role I played, and it was probably the biggest. And this is going to be uh, this is a meaty role. Hopefully, I can deliver. But I'm really excited, uh, and I'll tell you more about it when it when it's closer to the release date, which I'm guessing is sometime in later 2023. But uh, seeing him, you know, first day of. My filming is tomorrow. They've been going since Monday, so it's the idea is but a fetus. But anyway, anyway, or the project. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. I uh, before I move on, I uh, I want people to yeah, every time I say something like, I hate to. <laughs> shoot down people's dreams or people that message me that take the time to, to, to nice enough to send a message. And most of them are fans of, of uh, the podcast or Shorzy or Chicklets or the books or whatever. But um, I hate to be discouraging. Just there's sending something to me is almost lazy, right? Just, just stick on it, stick what you're doing. And there are avenues, man, there are avenues. If you were, you know, a great hockey player, um, you're a young boy or girl and uh, you were a great hockey player you'd probably immerse yourself in hockey you'd probably go to many camps you'd probably weigh all your options talk to local coaches you know if you thought there was a chance and why do I have to work on it'd be an interactive process with the people that you were trying to hone your craft with the culture of so my point is you wouldn't just send an email to the coach saying, or or a random coach that's not even the coach, saying, ah, okay, I'm tiptoeing around it. If, if you're a good hockey player and you think there's a chance that you might be scouted or your kid might be or whatever, or let's say you're a 14, 15-year-old girl, boy, and you're coming onto the scene and you want to get a college scholarship and you think you're good enough, you wouldn't email Connor McDavid, Right? You wouldn't text Mitch Marner. You wouldn't try to track down Taylor Hall. Right? Because these people are involved, but they're not going to help you get where you want to go. That's where I am with that. I'm, I'm an actor, right? I don't have, I don't pull those strings. I, I, you know, the, the big strings you're talking about to, to be able to give someone a script and have them look at it. And if it was, I'd give them mine. Trust me. But uh, even even as close as I am to the to ground zero when it comes to the film world, I still would. Uh, you know, I'd feel uncomfortable myself giving just a random director or someone my, my script. I'm sure it happens sometimes. I mean, you hear the stories about Sylvester Stallone back in the '70s and stuff, but shit doesn't work like that anymore. Anyway, um, you know, like I said, you're a good hockey player you wouldn't get a hold of a random NHL player to tell them that you would go to camps, right? You'd register. Now you got a coach there working with you, right? Same deal. Go to Mon or sorry, that's the school here, Memorial university, go to school, go online, take maybe a, a book. There's all kinds of books on the film, the whole process, read it, 
See how it goes. Try to get some days background. Wherever you live in the world, if there's anything ever being shot, they always need background. They don't always use people in the union. If you, There's jobs on set that are very, very hard, laborious. Can you say that? Laborious work. Uh, that I, I did that for four or five years, guys, right? I was working on locations. If you don't know what that is on a film set, it's the bottom of the barrel. It's jump how high. It's getting in the morning before everybody's here. It's still dark out. It's freezing. Put the pylons down. People have to park. It's, hey, Terry, the shitter's broken. Go fucking fix it, right? Now, I did that for four or five years. Years. You know how many hours? Like, at least 12 hours a day, if not 15 or 16. Locations, man. Uh, and that's what I mean. Put in some time. Not trying to discourage anybody, but put in some time rather than just send me an idea for a new Star Wars, nonetheless. I could see if it was some local movie about Mount Pearl or a commercial or some shit. Fuck, man. I wouldn't know what to do with a Star Wars script if it fucking slapped me upside of the head. Anyway. I got a question the other night. Went out for a few beers, and in a rare in a rare occurrence, it actually was a few beers. I had three beers, and I left. Usually, a few beers means let's get buzzed, let's get shit faced. What's going on? I'm getting home at three in the morning. But uh, this time, it was a few beers, and there was a gentleman named David. I'm not sure of his last name, but anyway, he was we were at Green Sleeves, and. I was surprised. He was an Oilers fan, and he really, really wasn't a fan of Darnell Nurse. And it was so loud, and he wanted – he was actually a little bit obnoxious, but in a in a charming way, in a charming way, if that makes any sense. Like, he was ch- charmingly annoy- annoying, right? Uh, so, like a, a, a lovable – uh, annoyance, like a lovable villain. This guy, anyway, anyway, just trying to explain it. Tall guy, good looking, but he was wearing a. I mean, it's midnight at Green Sleeves on the weekend. It's weird that you're, you know, he was wearing a hockey jersey. So anyway, it was just an Oilers jersey, nothing on the back or front, and it was seemed to have it going on. Uh, it was a weird clothing option at that hour. Anyway, comes over to me and we got right into it. Said he loves the show, and he listens to me on Got Your Back with uh, Ryan Rashog and Jason Strudwick. Um, but he said, you know, he couldn't get over. He said, Darnell Nurse is way overrated. We're going to keep losing if we have him. Look, I have a different take on it, and I know there was no specific question. I just told him that I'd talk and give my take on Darnell Nurse. Now, listen, obviously, and a guy, when you first look at Darnell Nurse, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, he's a defenseman on the Edmonton Oilers, big and strong. When you first look at him, he doesn't look polished, does he? He looks like a rough copy. Like at times he still looks like a 20-year-old. But I think that's more in the way he skates and carries himself. And when he tries too much, that awkwardness kind of comes out. When he tries too much, yeah, it goes it goes. Everybody's play to me seems to go backwards. People pick up on it. You know, he gives pizzas away. It's never really a lack of effort, but you know, not everybody that plays on Connor McDavid's team can be Connor McDavid. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of them I find often turn the puck over. I don't know if that's an influence of playing with uh, Drysaddle McDavid. You know, Hopkins, Hyman, Hyman works hard, but he's way more creative than people think a lot of people. But anyway, uh, so the unpolished part I get, but first of all, this guy just signed a brand new contract, a big contract. He's making a lot more money now than he is last year. He's playing hard in exhibition in one game or one game. He nearly got in two fights, but I believe he had two fights in exhibition and he had either none or one all of last year. What does that tell me? Right? What does that tell you? If during the regular season last year and he played well, um, you know, he 
when he tries too much, he does give up pizzas. But that, you know, you don't remember a player by their worst mistakes. You know, overall, he's positive. He's a good player. He's definitely an above-average player and can be a great player when he knows his boundaries. But uh, what I was getting at is that it's few and far between in today's world that I can look at an athlete and know that they have pride in their contract. A lot of times it goes the other way. You sign the big contract and then you fuck off, right? Happens a lot in basketball. Um, it's happened in hockey. I don't know. I could name examples. I guess I keep going back to it back in the day. But Alexi, Alexi Ashen, there are uh, – I just didn't like him as a player. Um, there are examples. I don't need to get him, you know, and, and sometimes it's a rite of passage, you know, someone put in all that time and they sign a big contract and, you know, it's, they're getting older and subconsciously, I guess they're not as physical, but it's almost like back pay. But no, this guy's in his mid twenties. He's still, or it's still, he's pretty much in his prime, mid to late twenties. Uh, signed a big deal. And takes pride in it. You can see him out there. He didn't take much time off. Um, by that I mean he's not he's not going through the motions. The whistle goes. He's hard. He's in there. He's in the scrums. You can see when he makes a play and he does give up one of those pizzas. He goes to the bench and you can read his face. He's upset. He's not just collecting money. So that to me really stands out. You got a guy 27, 28 years old who's been in the limelight for a long time. I mean, if you if you don't like the limelight, it'll be tough to play on the Edmonton Oilers, right? All these expectations, some of the best players in the world on your team, the hockey market is in your face uh, and, and, and very judgmental. So, you know, the fact that he chose to resign and, 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 and chose and chooses to go out there and play hard every night no matter what, and the fact that he gets so upset when he makes a mistake shows me the guy gives a shit. And I love that. And I can, someone who gives a shit is more likely to come out of a slump. Um, and, you know, he's not relied on to score, but he, he does a little bit, right? He, he does chip in offensively a little bit. Um, but it's nice. If I see someone that takes pride in their performance because they respect their fan base and their teammates and their Basically, the the organization for paying them what they pay them. I think it's a lot. I'd rather that, you know. I'd rather deal with someone that's slumping and gives a shit. And I'll I'll extend that to Campbell, uh, Jack Campbell, goal. I mean, having a rough time, sometimes maybe too hard on himself. But I'd rather that than the other way, uh, the cocky way, or the, you know, okay, now I signed a big deal. I don't have to hit anymore. We all see it, man. I don't want to call out people because a lot of them are my friends. But sign a big deal in the, you know, after you've been in the league for a few years or more and to go out and still give it everything physically. I mean, it's easy to go out if you're an offensive player and keep playing offensively and you're talented. You don't have to worry about much. You know, you go out and give an effort, I guess. But, but when part of your job is to play hard in the corner in front of the net, and especially when you got not many tough guys or people that play physical on your team and you got two of these arguably the best players in the fucking world and you know that you're going to have to step in. You're going to take a lot of punches in the face, a lot of slashes because of that, because of the market you play in and the team you play on and you do it with no questions asked, then fuck, I, you know, it's hard for me to be down on you as a player. So there's that. There's also, I don't know if people who don't play the game really see this always, but, and I'm not trying to be condescending because I played and, you know, you, you didn't or whatever, but most people listening have played some sport. Think, think basketball, think, think soccer, think whatever. When I see the best defenders on the other team, I, I don't go there. So even, I don't know, uh, I always try to come up with other stories that aren't hockey. Let's say, again, I played soccer growing up. Penny Lane plays now. 
And uh, it was really nice memories. And I knew I, I wasn't going to grow up and be a professional soccer player, but we we did. We we made a dent on the Canadian Nationals a couple of times. We won the Atlantic Championship. Uh, a lot of great memories in soccer, but it's such a big field that right before I was striker, but right before the game started, if Angus Barrett or Andrew Moyce, my coaches, asked me which side I wanted to play, I, I would always, it, it had nothing to do with where I'm shooting it from. I would always look at the other defenders and see who was on what side and who I didn't like to play against. Where am I going to be on the field that I can get furthest away from that motherfucker? Right? So whoever it is I'm talking about, I guess back then, what's a name that no one will know, but I, uh, Jay Babstock was a great defender on uh, Holy Cross. We used to, or St. John's, we used to play against them. And uh, I just wouldn't go there. It's the same way. In the NHL, guys that you'd say, Hal Gill, Corey Cross, big, tall guys, right? Six five, six six, And a lot of people I remember, especially in Corey Cross's case, I don't think he was considered quite as much of a complete package as Hal Gill. But because they were a little awkward looking, people would question why they're there. And Corey Cross, I can tell you this, um, and that's a blast from the past. It's an, you know, a player that, unless you're a big-time fan, you probably don't remember. But my point with Corey Cross is that I practiced with and against him. I, didn't, I don't recall playing against him, only exhibition, but it wasn't something I did every day. But I played on the same surface with him and against him, I guess, once. And uh, enough to see that he was so big that just subconsciously when you have the puck and you're skating up the ice and you look up and you were to see, I don't know, Corey Cross on one side and I don't know, John Slaney or, you know, um, what are some smallish D? I don't know, uh, that Mete fella or back in the day, Mike Crowley. He was a smallish defenseman on Anaheim. I think it was Mike. It was a Crowley. Uh, anyway, what I'm getting at is that, so as a player, it's physics. If I look up and I don't, like, I don't like the look of a guy six foot six or six foot seven because I figure he's got more space to, to basically to stop me, to hold me, to throw me in the corner, to obstruct me. That's the word. Whereas the guy on the other side might look a little bit better and we might think that he's got better skills, better skater. But for me, the matchup is better because, again, pure physics. Um, so the, the, the tall defenseman doesn't have to be overly rough. It's just physical. It, it, it's, it's, or sorry, it's just physics with me. Well, sometimes you get a tall guy that's also mean, like Chris Pronger. And he's the number one example I can say for that. I played against him a couple times, and that was hard. Going in front of the net with Chris Pronger, one of the hardest things in sports at the time. For sure, anybody that's done it, I'm sure, would agree with me. Um, and that's a dangerous combo when you're that big. And, you know, like I said, it's just physics. It's math. If I, go, if I try to get around you, you have more space to work with because you're taller. You're probably going to cut me off. When you're, when you're full of fucking rage... <laughs> And fierce temperament, well, it only adds to the equation. Well, I, I see that with Nurse. Now, the next time if you're an Oilers fan or the next time you're watching the Oilers, watch players when they carry it up. I don't know. I'm not saying everybody is uh, openly scared of him, but sometimes it's some kind. I don't know. Look at a guy like Dangles. I don't know. Patrick Kane there, one of my favorite Dangles. When they play Edmondson, watch. If he breaks out, right, and he looks up, and uh, sees, I don't know, Brad Malone, who I love his t tenacity, and he sees Nurse, he's probably going to go towards Malone. Now, you will never see analytically that show up on any stat, but I find that happens a lot with Nurse because he's not easy to play against. Now look closer when he gets in the corner. He often comes out with the puck. If he doesn't, he, he, you know, there's a way to cross-check the kidneys, slash the back of the leg. There, there's ways to make it tough on players, and he does that almost every time. Tyson Barry doesn't do that any of the time, right? 
two different ways to look at it. Now, Barry, I think, is playing much better this year. I'm not so much shitting on him as I am praising Nurse. But think about it. So if you're a forward and you're behind the net, I mean, the odds are you'd probably rather be going against Tyson Barry than Darnell Nurse. And that's what I mean, right? Um, He does a lot without doing it. Now, that's point number two. Point number three, the guy doesn't take much time off. He's played through many injuries. Uh, The playoffs last year, I can't remember what it was, but he played, he played, and then he got injured. He came back prematurely. Some people might say, well, you know, he's only putting himself and the team at risk. Maybe, but again, it's giving a fuck. It's giving a shit about your teammates, about yourself. It's having pride. All those fans that paid to come see you and all the reporters who are going to comment after the game on your game, yourself, your family, your friends, to go out and give a fuck, it means something to me, right? And a lot of people... To use the basketball analogy, I don't know. Again, Kyrie Irving. I keep going to that, but I'm fascinated. I think he's the worst teammate in the history of sports. It's amazing. And he will find a a way to take time off. A couple years ago, the the riot, the January 6th riots happened. He found a way to make it about him. Took time off. COVID, I get it if you you stick to your guns and you, you didn't want to get the vaccine. I don't think anybody should be forced to get it. I got it. I'm fine with it. But a lot of people aren't. I respect it. But Co- uh, Kyrie, I truly believe after watching his act, every after his watching his antics, sorry, every year he finds a way to take games off. And a lot of athletes are like that. Fuck Kawhi Leonard. Come on. Remember that a few years ago, the year they won, Toronto did. I love the way he plays. I love the fact that he's not he doesn't have to be me, me, me on social media. But I didn't like that, going to a Raptors game. And what? Why did I pay to come to the game? I, You know, I don't even go to many basketball games. I go to see them, and he's not playing, and then they tell me load management. Fuck off. I don't know. people. If, if load management starts to be more of a thing because it's creeping into all the sports, basketball is brutal for it. Well, I don't know. Maybe look at fucking shortening the season or some shit. But I don't think there's a scenario where I'm a fan. I mean, I know it's about winning, but I'm a fan. I want to come and see the players that are playing on my, my team and they're not playing tonight just to take some time off for the playoffs. Well, I don't know. Maybe the fucking schedule is too long. Maybe you don't have enough grit. Maybe a coach needs to slap you fucking upside the head. I don't know. Well, that would land you in jail this day and age. I don't mean that literally, but maybe a coach needs to light a fucking fire. I, I don't know. Or just to say, look, Sorry, Kawhi. Unless you're hurt, man. People are paying to come see you. That's why we have you. Hopefully we win. But there's 32 fucking teams in the league. So the odds are we're not going to win. So there has to be other reasons to come to the game. And one of the other reasons is to watch you fucking go do your thing. So please step away from the fucking big screen in the dressing room. And the fucking hot tub and the catered food at all times and come out on the court and maybe play with us. Really? And I think that about all the sports leagues. If it starts happening in hockey, well, I fucking make, make the season shorter. But for fuck's sakes. Now, there are certain players. I'll point at Kevin Durant. He doesn't miss games. Um, that Andrew Wiggins kid. From Canada, who was a big fucking part of a champion team last year. And uh, went out and, you know, plays hard. He just shows up to the games. I'm, You know, Scotty Barnes for Toronto. Young kid, you, you don't want to see him mess with an injury. But more than once, he was on the fence and said, oh, I'm good enough to play. It's easy when you're making a lot of money to take the game off, especially in basketball where they average out the stats. The leading score of the league can miss 10 games. It's an average. But some people don't like to take games off. And Darnell fucking Nurse is one of them. So if you're like my buddy Dave and you're paying attention to the turnovers, 
the miscues, the pizzas, the penalties, those are all negative things per se. But start to think about the positives. And a guy like Darnell Nurse, to me, is what every team should want. A long-term contract that that really means something to the person that signed to it. A player that has pride, that plays injured, that sticks up for his teammates. These are elements of a winning team. Did they win? No. But they did win a couple rounds. And I think last year was a huge step for the Oilers. I don't know if people forget that. But they were having a hard time making the playoffs and then making it out of the first round. Right? Look at McDavid's tenure in, in oiler country. In oil country, it hasn't been overly successful. But last year was the most success they had. And I think they're they're trying to build on that this year. And who better to build it with than Darnell fucking Nurse? And Jake Muzzin, who plays for the for the Maple Leafs, is similar. Older, but similar by meaning. He's a, he's a left shot, round the same size, roughly. Uh, very relied on by his teammates. Says the right things. Good leader. Again, you don't like going down his side. If it's him and Morgan Riley, you'll probably go to Riley's side. I would as a forward. Not that Riley sucks, but he takes chances and he's smaller. And I figure I might be able to have more success. But so that, you know, they're not the same player, but Muslim, there are similarities playing on Canadian teams, very injured teams. There are similarities, except Muzzin is not coming back. And I think Toronto are really, really, really going to miss that. I know they're getting through now. Spark plugs, positivity, people going in and doing the job. But over over a 16-win playoff round, 28 possible games, I think having the Muzzins and the Nurses really, really helps more than you could know. More than you could know, especially people with balls. So, does he have negative attributes? Yes, but I think his positive attributes are the attributes it takes to win a Stanley Cup. Does that guarantee one? No, but the more players I can have on my team that think that way, the better. So, for me, thumbs up to Darnell Nurse. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, so for music uh, this week, I'm just going to go with a song. And not that this is game-changing or anything, but I was really surprised when I brought it up. That same night, actually, I was just telling you about the Dave dude with the Oilers. And by the way, he was he was a great fella. Um, seemed it. Um, if if I painted a picture, I mean, I know I said he was annoying and he kind of was, but every like drunk annoying, would, I am too. There. I'm obnoxious and annoying, so that's where I can't remember. I'm sitting here now on half a joint and uh, and uh, I hope I painted the picture. Ah, I guess I did say he was a lovable villain, didn't I? Um, anyway, so that same night, in between, so there's a live band at Greensleeves all the time. And in between, they they obviously just play tunes. And a song came on, We Didn't Start the Fire, by Billy Joel. And a song that I, I'm assuming everybody remotely close to my age knows. It's really quick. It's almost... What do they call that? It's like fast patter. It's not really singing. Um, you know, Billy Joel and We Didn't Start the Fire is merely listing off. It's like he's reading a grocery list full of important things that happened in history. 
So first of all, if you don't know Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire. Again, not an unreal song. It's catchy. I'm just using it for a point of reference here. So that had come on and there was a dude in the corner that knew all the lyrics. And I, I got to say, I've heard them a lot. I know some of them, but it's just, it's going so fast that I couldn't sing it start to finish. So I said, Hey man, that was great. I said, I've always wanted to do that with life as a rock. And he said, what? Now I'm saying, when, when was this? This was probably, it wasn't even that late, to be honest, at this point. I don't think our dude Dave was even there yet. So this was probably, I think people go on. This is probably changing from afternoon into night shift uh, at Greensleeves, meaning a, there's an afternoon band or, or act person. And then someone goes on at six or seven and then someone again at 10 or 11 or whatever. Usually there's more than one artist. So this was in between. And again, early on. So you could basically what I'm saying is that you could hear people. It was nice music. But you could hear people chat. There was a lot of chats going on. It was that happy hour kind of a vibe. There you go. So I and I often get up and sing songs at Greensleeves. So, you know, a few people there, my senior hockey buddies or whatever, and people that recognize me from Shorzy. We had a big conversation going and that's why I often go downtown by myself and I just run into people and go from there. So I, no one knew the song I was talking about. I said, no, life is a rock, but the radio rolled me. And honestly, they started laughing. I said, come on, this is the original song, like fast patter kind of whatever you're going to call read a list, quick history moment kind of songs. At least it's the first one I know of. And not one person knew what I was talking about. I brought it up on my phone and still nobody knew what I was talking about. So clearly, I think this song was more popular than it was. But it does have a moment in history. So I like bubblegum music. It's a genre of music out of the 60s, like saying garage punk or Motown. Bubblegum is a type of, I mean, it's still kind of like Britney Spears, I guess. Um, Katy Perry, is that considered bubblegum? I think. I don't know the definition of bubblegum music, but in the day it was my two favorite bubblegum songs are Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. That's by Ohio Express. Okay. Yummy, yummy, yummy. I got love in my tummy and I feel like loving you. Well, again, because I got into it when I was five or six, it's, you know, some of those songs sound like they make sense to a five or six year old. So I always loved that song. And they have another one, Chewy Chewy. That's one of my favorites. Uh, another one of my favorite bubblegum songs is um, One, Two, Three, Red Light. That one's not so popular, but uh, it was in the 60s. And, you know, give it a shot. So anyway, a guy who wrote a lot and sang for these bands, his name was Joey Levine, Levine, uh, Levine, I guess, L-E-V-I-N-E. So... Ohio Express sang Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. Uh, the 1910 Fruit Gum Company sang One, Two, Three, Red Light. And each band had, as I recall, a few hits, big hits. Bubblegum Sound. And Joey Levine, I think, sang for both bands. So at least was part of both bands. Uh, and so he got together with whoever he wrote this with, but I believe because the band, it, it, the song is called life is a rock, but the radio rolled me. And it's kind of loosely like the history of important names in music and around music up to that point, which would have been sometime in the seventies. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Look, 1974. So, and it's a little quicker. He's doing it real, real fast quicker than we didn't start the fire but still you can kind of tell one song definitely influenced the other if billy joel hasn't heard life is a rock i will honestly cut off my big toe now and eat it with mushroom soup later like i'm telling you right now which wouldn't be a bad idea anyway <laughs> i'm kidding it's fucking it had to be an influence of billy joel's for this song so anyway it's a neat little tune it's not groundbreaking it's not johnny cash at Folsom prison like i explained last week it's not the stone sympathy for the devil it's not beach boys pet sounds it's not beatles sergeant pepper uh 
Beastie Boys, License to Ill. I can go on and on with some great albums over the years that had a historical impact. But it's a cool little song. And later that night, I played it again, and everybody seemed to really like it. Okay? So it's catchy. If you haven't heard it, it's worth a try. It's a little part of music history in that it explains a lot of music history. I won't say explains, but it definitely mentions. So four or five verses coming straight at you. A lot of the names you won't even have known, but a lot you will. And I think it's brilliant. I think it's creative. Is it game changing? No, but not every, I, I can't come on here every week and give you, you know, Beethoven or Mozart or, whatever, or, or, or some person or band or album that had this major effect on history. I mean, I guess I could do that, but once in a while, it's just going to be a catchy little song and not everybody here wants to change the game. Sometimes you just want to listen to a, a neat little tune. Well, this one, you know, it's certainly not a 10 out of 10 musically, but look, do me a favor, check it out. And if you haven't heard it, it's a neat tune. If you have, so be it. No one's the worst off. But anyway, that's my little music nugget for this week. Uh, Life is a Rock, brackets, but the radio rolled me by Reunion in 1974. And I believe Reunion were just a name tossed together. I believe Joey and uh, Norman Dolph, I believe his name was, and a few more got together and wrote the music and the lyrics pretty quick and called the band Reunion, but I don't... I know that they're not a band per se. They didn't tour or anything like that. I think they just got together for the song. Anyway, there it is. Life is a rock, but the radio rolled me. The very last thing I'll say, or close to the last thing I'll say, is, um, you know, I get a lot of messages and I run into people, like Habs fans, that are really worried. I, I don't believe... There's reason for that, I, for worry. Um, I don't, like, I don't, ex they're going to win the odd game this year. It's all about experience. I mean, I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that was their choice, right? If they do, bonus. But I think the point of this year is to get some experience for those young players, navigate the lay of the land. I don't think they're maybe as poor as they thought they were. And, um, like, if I was Ottawa, I'd be worrying because they were in this position, um, you know, a few years ago. And it keeps, I know they're young and they're, uh, they're not inexperienced anymore, though. Josh Norris is a big hit to be out for as long as he is. I mean, I think he's out for most of the year, if not all year, real early. So replacing someone with 30 odd goals isn't easy. Um, but I think people expected Ottawa to be a little bit further ahead in their progress than the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I'm only saying this because I think a lot of Habs fans, maybe because of the tradition, at least last century, of winning a lot, that no year is a throwaway. Look, I'm not saying that they're in the Connor Bedard sweep, sweepstakes, or they consciously are. I don't think they'll come last in the league or whatever. I just don't think they're going to make the playoffs. 16 teams make it out of 32. And I don't think they're going to be one of them. Can a team not make the playoffs and have success? Of course. It's all about getting those guys some stats, some experience, some exposure, and not just the obvious Cole Caulfield. Half of their decor is new. Uh, they're, they're trying out a lot of... I mean, we didn't think... I mean, Shane Wright's sent down, I believe. People are wondering what they're going to do with them. Yarrow Slavkowski, is that how you say his name? He looks a little bit awkward out there. I mean, the guy who went first overall this year to the Habs and is playing. He looks a little bit awkward out there, but he's coming along, and I think he's shown a bit of an improvement. Uh, so, that's important. Uh, I don't mean to insult some of their older players that might not be there when the rebuild really hits home, but that's part of being a professional. Uh, that's what you do, and you should be happy that you're part of a process and the management thinks that, you know, if you're a young guy on a building or an older 
player, and let's say Jake Allen on a, on a team that's building. Well, you've got a lot of experience to give, and the management must think so, or you'd be shipped out of town, right? For someone younger, like the, is their plan. But no, it's a uh, not every team is built to win every year, and not every team is expected to win. Every, you know, their fan base doesn't expect it every year. Um, Montreal has there's there have been exceptions, and of course, I mean, two years ago, look what they did. No one expected they would make the playoffs, and they nearly won the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying those one-offs won't happen, don't happen. I'm certainly not saying I don't want them to happen, but the likelihood on them happening is slim. And the Habs, hey, it, it depends how quick this experience turns into results. It can happen within one year, of course. I mean, look at Cole Caulfield, right? Last year, he sent down at Christmas time two, three goals maximum at Christmas, and then went on a fucking tear after. Different coach, just a little realigning of what's already there. That's all. We're just going to tweak, 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 move, move, tweak, boom. Right? So I'm not saying that I, I mean, as an ex-hab, that people say, well, you know, wonder who I cheer for. I don't really cheer for anybody outright. But what I do know is that if they win, I get tickets. As alumni, I get first dibs on tickets, and I'd love to go up two years ago. Of course, we couldn't. But if they make the playoffs, the further they go, I'll definitely be taking Penny Lane. So, of course, I'm cheering for them to do well. I just don't expect it, and I don't think that's the goal this year. I think they're in a very, very comfortable position of having some phenomenal young talent. Uh, You know, yeah. And it's about positives. And there's a lot going on behind the scenes in Montreal that you probably don't see. It's more, I would think, coming off the ice. Being in that dressing room would be more of an indicator to me. And it seems to me the guys really like each other and feed off each other's energy. And those that don't, like Drouin, maybe, Jonathan Drouin, I don't know what it is. If he's getting overpaid, I don't know if he's... I know he had some injury setbacks. He doesn't seem to be fitting into that puzzle right now. So who knows? That'll be interesting. Is there anything left to his game? Could you trade him? Maybe. Uh, could he come back and end up being a great leader? Probably. But right now, he's kind of a piece that's not fitting, at least in my mind. A lot of people ask specifically, but you know, you don't know. A lot of his issues were off the ice, and you don't even know what that is. So who knows? Let him deal with it. Don't dissect it. Whatever it is, your team is going to be fine. They got some fucking star. I mean, Suzuki looks... I love watching that guy play. Uh, I absolutely love it for, for many reasons. He's fucking real creative, real talented, but he's a gamer. And at the beginning of the year as well, some people were like, what, you're giving him the C? I hope, I hope now it's obvious why. He stepped up his game. He seems to be a great leader, right? They're a young team anyway. He's an experienced young player on a young team. And I think the sky's the limit. I don't think this particular year, but I've been wrong. But if you're a Habs fan, I think there's all kinds of good coming in the future. So, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't sit there and be biting my nails every game this year. That, that'll come in the future. Now, I mentioned Ottawa. I don't know what's going to happen there. My good buddy DJ Smith coaches the team. I... You know, I'm surprised he hasn't been fired, but that says a lot. I mean, judging on their record, but it says a lot about DJ. Uh, it's not always the coach. Sometimes that change is made because cosmetically it works for the fan base. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. And I thought Winnipeg would be worse off. I said it on here, and Winnipeg are doing just fine. And uh, if I was worried about Shifley at one point, you know, maybe I misspoke. Maybe he's a fantastic leader. I don't really recall what I said. I just know I don't have the most confidence in that guy. And it seemed to me that the dressing room was disintegrating after Wheeler uh, got the captain taken away from him. But again, I'm not there. A lot of us make all these all this speculation. And we don't know what goes on. You're what you're just watching part of a game on TV. Oh, Keith should mix up the lines or Tortorella's not treating his players well. How do you fucking know? You know from the interview at the end of the game. That's it. 
You don't know what else goes on, man. And players are at the rink nowadays fucking way longer than they ever have been. They're putting in time. They're studying video. There's so much communication that goes on. Back in the day, I hear there wasn't much communication between the coach and the players. This is the way it goes. Uh, I, I'm led to believe that nowadays it's a lot different. Way more communication. So all these reporters and broadcasters and people with opinions like myself, we're, we're, we only know 10% of it. We see what you see. I can only comment on what, you know, so a question like, you know, that any random reporter might get, uh, hey, so-and-so, or hey, O-Dog, what do you think of, I don't know, Mitch Marner getting benched? I mean, he can give his opinion. But the real nuts and bolts of that are in the dressing room. And like Luco said on here, sometimes a coach might sit a player for a shift to see how everybody else responds, not just that player, right? Um, Tortorella, I've always believed his bark is worse than his bite. He's trying to get a reaction. He's trying to see. He's trying to motivate. And he does it well. Not everybody is going to always be a positive part of a well-oiled machine. You need some adversity. Sometimes coach make a little adversity in the room. See how the players are going to respond, right? Sit a guy for a shift. Maybe make a real, real laid-back comment or uh, what's the word? Indirect comment in the media that there's something to that because knowing, I think Paul Maurice is real good. Scotty Bowman, I used to like his sound, sound clips. But point is it's a dangerous game if you're a coach and you're looking to, to, to put a soundbite out there that might offend a player, but some player, some coaches are great at it, and that's what it is. No team is going to have all the same personalities, all the same moving parts. It's It takes each and every person on that team, on and off the ice. It takes the fucking secretaries. It takes the director of player personnel. Everybody that's employed by an NHL team, most Usually everybody, but I can definitely say most have something to do with the result, right? So what we see in the ice, we can only comment on from our professional opinion, having played the game, being fans of the game, just like whoever I'm talking to right now, everybody listening, some things might seem obvious, but they're not. And often people are playing with an injury that they don't want you to know about, uh, or they have something on their mind or um they're playing to get a bonus or they know they're going to get traded soon there's all kinds of things that go on behind the scenes that it makes it difficult to comment on and have a real objective opinion because a lot of the time we don't know anyway kind of went off the rails there but what i'm saying is that i think the habs are going to be fine and uh, I guess to go back to it, I think with Darnell Nurse, I hate to say give it some time because, I mean, that's all anybody's done with the Oilers is, is give it time. But this particular season, give it time. Try to concentrate. People think he gives the puck away a lot. I don't know. I looked at the analytics. They're no more than, you know, the average next defenseman on another team. It just seems more obvious a lot of the time. But what he does have is spunk, character, determination. And uh, like I said, there's you don't always know what goes on behind the scenes. People can be hurt uh, or different reasons for, for different players' gameplay. Anyway, I hope that helped. It was an indirect way to answer more than one question. But uh, like Darnell Nurse, all I can do is come on here and give my uh, – give my best opinions, try to do my best, do my due diligence as a host, research my guests, and try to give you an honest, transparent opinion. And uh, to my knowledge, that's what I've done so far. So love it or hate it, I'll still bring it. And uh, love him or hate him, Darnell Nurse, I believe, is going to keep being Darnell Nurse and doing what Darnell Nurse does. And in my mind, there are way more positive attributes than negative attributes. The Montreal Canadiens, they can go out there and work hard, 
Some results are going to be good, some bad. But I think in the long run, you're looking at a bunch of kids, bunch of guys, bunch of men that are going to be real close if they're not already. You can see it vibing, and they're going to be dangerous in uh, in the years to come. That being said, power conditioning for the body and mind on Rope Walk Lane, strength, movement, balance. I highly recommend it. I've been going there now for a couple months and seeing some results, and it's a positive place to be, a positive place to work out. Uh, if you're interested in improving your life, contact Power Conditioning, Rope Walk Lane. Of course, Mr. Lube, Live Laugh Lube. Run by my good friend Chris Sparks, Live Laugh Lube, of course, and at two locations here in town, Torbay Road and Camount Road. And uh, tire orders are now available online, so check that out. True hockey, take what's yours. I love my true gloves. I love my true sticks, and I'm still waiting on the helmet, boys. So Corey Gregory and comp company, chop, chop. I want a new helmet. Look at my bucket. It's taped together. It's like 12 years old. Let's go, boys. And uh, maybe some merch. <laughs> maybe some more merch. I, I, I kind of joke. True have been unreal. And um, I believe my, uh, I believe Hitch, if we go any further, might be uh, using some true gear. And I uh, really appreciate everything they've done for me. Uh, what else? Pitbull Pain Relief. Go to pitbullpainrelief.com. Check out their amazing products. Of course, the pain stick is uh, a game changer for me. And uh, anybody that's getting older or has multiple sports injuries that are kind of nagging, I highly recommend the uh, pain Pitbull Pain Relief Pain Stick. So just go to pitbullpainrelief.com. Check that out. And, of course, they have more products that uh, you might be interested in. So drop my name and get a deal. If you're downtown St. John's, you know, you're going to go for a beer. You walk onto George Street, you say, you know what? Fuck, this is great. It's getting to be Christmas time. I'm in a good mood. I got nothing to do today. Now, where am I going to go drink? If that's me, I go to Trinity Pub. I go to Rob Roy Confusion. I go to TJ's Pub. I go to Greensleeves. And I go to the Bull and Barrel. And, of course, if I'm going to get a bite to eat, I always go to Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or Wedgwood Cafe first. Thanks again for tuning in to 131A. Now, as far as 131B, guys, I don't know. i got to work it into my schedule because the next few days are real, real busy. Looking forward to getting into that meaty role as a, uh, as a bad guy, a rather villainish character. I'm looking forward to that villainous character. How do you say that? I'm looking forward to it, but I also cannot plan for a guest until the day before because time's that tight. So tune back in again on Friday, and I know I'm going to have a good guest. I'm just not sure who it is yet. Thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. It's coming up on Christmas. I hope everybody's getting in the holiday season mode. I know I am, and I can't wait to see you all back here in just a few days for Tales with TR. 131B. Thanks again. I'll catch you guys on the rebound.